This is Sean Smithgall and Taylor Stuber, your host of the PGT Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore different topics related to postgraduate training preparation for pharmacy students. Through our series, we hope to give a down-to-earth, enticing discussion on how to prepare for postgraduate training application. We have with us Dr. Rachel Legg. She's a fellow at USA Family Medicine. Y'all might know her. She's been a couple other podcasts we've had so far. Rachel, it's good to have you back. Thanks for having me. So Rachel, we're going to put you on the spot today and have you ask our trivia question. So PGT Daily Trivia brought to you by Rachel. Yes. My question is, what is the fifth largest country in the world by land area? Oh, that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think I got this one. Australia. Taylor says Australia. I will say Brazil. That was my second You're right. Am I? Yeah, Australia is six. Oh my gosh. I was blown away. It looks so small on a map. Well, that's because (laughs) maps are drawn to emphasize different parts of the world. And if it's a flat map, then it doesn't show the ends of the globe as well. And Australia isn't really close to the equator. I would have said Australia was like two or three. No, it's Russia, Canada, U.S., China. And U.S. and China are actually very similar. U.S. is bigger. Australia. I got it right. Wow. I don't win anything. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Congratulations. All right. Well, our topic today is the phase two match. So we talked about the phase one match in our previous podcast. Now we're going to talk about phase two and beyond. So we are lucky to have with us Rachel, who has just recently, very recently experienced the phase two match. Uh, But before we hear from her, I want to turn it over to Taylor to tell us perspective from a faculty member who's had students go through this process. Yeah, just a few things about phase two match. So I know it's disappointing for students who who go unmatched each year. And unfortunately, we see a a large percentage of that happen. And nationwide data shows that about a third of prospective applicants actually go unmatched in phase one of of, of the match, which can kind of be disheartening. But that's not to say that those aren't good candidates and that you're not a good candidate for going unmatched. It just could be that you might have not found the right fit at that time. So when going into phase two, I've, I've had experience with some students going through that and from kind of from both sides, those that I think have done it really well and those that maybe have not done it really well. And so I think what the most important thing is to be very prepared and ready to send in those applications and, and move really quickly through this process because it's, it occurs a lot quicker than, than phase one. So those students that, I, that I've seen go through it and be successful, they've contacted me right away and I've usually written reference letters for them. And we set up a time to meet and we, we discuss kind of their steps going forward. And I think that really helps them get a better grasp on what they need to do and how to approach it. And that also helps me as a reference letter writer. And I can mention that how kind of tweak my letter and, and, and talk about how I think they're going to be a good fit and be resilient in in terms of being a prospective applicant. So those are just kind of my general, some thoughts about phase two and kind of seeing some students go through it. Yeah. And we've had, luckily, Rachel doesn't have to worry about anymore because she has been successful because she's now got a fellowship. Rachel, just take us through your, your whole experience. So the time before phase one match day, like, I don't know, the week before, it was just, I was stressed. 
tried to not think about it, but it bothered me. Anyway, so I was actually in Belize at the time because my March rotation in pharmacy school was an international rotation with a nonprofit in Southern Belize. Fortunately, there was a time difference. <laughs> so they actually had the results out by the time that I woke up. And there wasn't Wi-Fi in my room. So I like grabbed my laptop, run out to the porch of the house in Belize <laughs> and um, got the email. I found out I didn't match and I, I was very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. Well, I knew at the time that I wanted to try phase two match, but they don't release the list of the unmatched programs until like, I think noon that day. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just wallowed in my sadness all morning filling at the pharmacy. So, so you're in another country. Yeah. You don't match. Yeah. What do you do? Well, one of the girls in the house actually came out and she's like, are you okay? Because of the look on my face. I was like, I didn't match. Um, so we had a little conversation, which was helpful because she was really nice. Basically, I tried not to think about it because my plan was to get going with phase two and I couldn't do anything about it that morning because the list wasn't out and I had stuff to do on my rotation. And I just tried to put it out of my mind until later that evening. Were you in Belize the whole time? That this no, occurred? to make matters worse. Uh, around noon that day, I also found out that UConn was pulling all study abroad students. So I was coming home two weeks early. So that's terrible because nobody wants to leave Belize, I'm sure. But at least you had, you had an excuse to go back to the States to be able to take care of the process. So what'd you do next? What was your strategy then? So you got this list of programs now. You're headed back to the United States against your will. I made another spreadsheet. <laughs> I honestly think that I looked briefly at every single one. You know how ASP, ASHP has that re, um, registry? Mm -hmm. I think I looked briefly at almost every single one. And then I decided that was a waste of my time. This, is, this happens to me a lot where I'll do something really in depth and then scrap it because it's not time efficient. So then I started looking at programs that I'd be interested in or like focus on things that I was the type of program that I was looking for. So I think IU, Indiana University, went unmatched and something else that was another big name. And at first I was really drawn to those. I was like, wow, those are great programs. They have spots, but I didn't really want to do hospital pharmacy. I had applied to a couple programs that were more hospital focused and I hadn't had success getting an interview. So I didn't want to waste my money. So I moved on from those and looked at all of the programs that were AMCARE specific and all of the VAs. So I applied to... I think 10, maybe a few more than that. But then I looked at those more in depth and I didn't have a geography constraint. So for me, I wasn't trying to look in a particular area. So I kind of applied all over the country. I think I applied to five or six AMCARE specific ones. Which if that, at this point in time, would you recommend anybody tries to say geography specific? I think it depends on the person. I mean, you're more likely to match if you don't. But if you really want to stay in one place for family or other reasons, then that's an important thing to consider. You just have to know that you're less likely to match. I was just going to say one thing I've seen it with, with students that have gone to phase two of the matches when they were geographically limited, maybe they're in the first phase, that becomes less of a concern um, in the second phase. So that's just something they really can. And I think something that's so important to consider even during the first phase of the match is could I see myself moving or could I move for one year and that it, that be it? Or do I absolutely 100% have to stay in this area? So I think that that's kind of something that I've just noticed with some, some people going through phase two. Yeah. Have those conversations. If you do have people, family members and things like that, have those conversations early. I'm going to take a step back. 
we know that you're not the kind of student that's going to say, I was unprepared going into this, so I expected this. So did how did that hit? It was definitely really disappointing. I only interviewed at two programs of like the 15 I applied to in phase one. So that had already been kind of a punch in the gut. You know, I wasn't getting as many interviews as I wanted. But of the two places I interviewed, one of them was a pretty competitive program, but I was really excited about it. So that one was disappointing. But almost worse was the other program I didn't match with that I honestly thought I was kind of a shoe in for. So that was a real reality check for me. What do you feel like made you unsuccessful? Was it just the fact that these are competitive programs? Was it just you feel like there's just a ton of students doing this? Or what was it that you felt like made you unsuccessful in the first one? Uh, That's a good question. I have thought about that a fair amount. I think part of my problem was I applied to a lot of really competitive programs in a competitive state. So one of my professors knew that I wanted to do AmCare and suggested that I look in North Carolina. And it's a really competitive state. I got one interview down there, which was, I was super excited about. And I applied to AmCare programs in a couple other places. I can't say if I would have done it differently. I, you know, I don't know if I should have looked at more hospital things because my letter of intent was also pretty AmCare focused. And those are the types of programs I wanted. So it made sense. I mean, I maybe should have looked a little more locally. I think I had maybe more reaches than I should have. And they didn't know me as a student because I didn't rotate at all, obviously, in North Carolina. And then also, I mean, my GPA was fine, but it wasn't a 3.9 or something, you know. So I don't, people say that GPA doesn't matter too much. I don't know how true that is. And then the other thing is, so the rotation that I was on in January was actually looking at candidates to interview for their residency. And they actually asked me to apply, but I didn't want to because it wasn't the type of program that I wanted to do, even though I may have actually gotten that job, which is a whole separate thing. Uh Don't apply for a job you don't want. Going back to the phase two, how soon did you reach out to programs? How they structure it now is I didn't email any of the programs. I just applied and forecast by the deadline. Did you get interviews with those programs? I got two. Yeah. How many did you end up applying for? Well, 12. That's got to cost a lot of money. I spent a thousand dollars of <laughs> oh, between phase one and phase two. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge point right there. It, I would say it was a waste of money. It feels like a waste of money because I'm not in a residency now. And I yeah, and you like didn't even my need position. To go, you didn't even have to go through phase one or two to get it right. Eat you up inside. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're glad to have you. So in terms of interviews, like I know it was COVID, so it was probably all online. Did you get a bunch of screening type interviews? I don't think so. So I got two interviews with two different AmCare programs. So one of them, I just signed up for like an interview slot, which I didn't end up going through with it because I got the job with you guys, which we can get to. Um, But the (laughs) other one, the other program that I ended up getting an interview from, they did a general Zoom will tell you about our program with everyone interested. And phase two is madness. There were maybe hundreds of people on that Zoom call and they had the opportunity to ask questions. I did not. I think I asked one question in the chat, but it didn't get answered and it was fine. I was just trying to be like, well, if they're keeping track, I should ask a good question, you know, but it was complete madness there. And they, but they talked about the program, which I honestly didn't find that helpful because it was pretty much information I found online. But also if they were taking attendance, I of course wanted to be there, but there was like people in suits, like on zoom. I honestly don't remember what I wore. I must've <laughs> looked nice, but I don't think I had a the, suit on. Chances of them actually seeing you very in, well. a, in a sea of people. Hilariously. <laughs> one of the people on the Zoom interview asked in the chat if they would add another slot unpaid. And I was like, 
don't <laughs> ask that. <laughs> yeah, going back to seeing over eager or desperate. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> Not to mention how impractical that would be for an actual person. Yeah, like it was in Tucson, Arizona. I doubt that person lived there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of people competing for a few spots, and that program called me a couple days after I think the program in Ohio offered me an interview. And Ohio emailed me, but the Arizona program, I believe, they called me and they left me a voicemail and. I had the impression, I think just based on the timeline, that they had offered interviews to a bunch of people and some people were pulling out of interviews. Like I felt like I was not in a bad way an afterthought, but I was not the first five people on their list, but they uh-huh. were still interested in interviewing me and they needed to fill interview slots. Yeah. And this is post forecast second time, right? Yes. So they have your application they're sending out. Yeah. So, cause I just heard back from them a little later and they called me like, well, I guess now thinking about it, it was like 8 PM or something, but it was a three hour time difference. So still that's pretty late. Yeah. I have a question actually. And I kind of want to talk about the beyond part of the phase two. So Rachel, obviously you ended up there in a fellowship. So how did that come about and what kind of suggestions would you have for potential students as far as additional opportunities, maybe beyond phase two, how to keep their options open. This is kind of a funny story. So I actually found out about the USA Fellowship through an email. So the same day that I was submitting forecast applications, I'd gotten an email either the day before or earlier that day from the faculty member at UConn that is in charge of experiential education. And it was Sean's email asking for CVs for this population health AM care fellowship. And I was like, those are two of my main interests. I want to do AM care. It's free to apply. All they need is my CV. It's in Alabama. Sure. Whatever. I've never been there, but it sounds like a really interesting job. So I sent my CV and um, now I'm here. (laughs) So I guess I don't have a ton of advice. I don't know if I'm assuming there's someone here that sends out job opportunities, but I never thought that one of them would end up being something I would do because a lot of them were industry related, but definitely hop on those. And then my, I guess my backup plan, if this opportunity hadn't presented itself was to get in contact with specifically one old preceptor who worked at an AM care clinic and had like sort of floated the idea of working per diem or something, obviously not an ideal starting position, but it was an FQHC. It was Amcare. I mean, I'd be in the pharmacy some too. But you know, it's getting your foot in the door. Yeah, but you bring up the the point about having a backup plan. And and so, in your mind, at what point were you ready to start acting on your backup plan? I don't know if I would have gone through with the scramble, but if I hadn't matched in phase two, I think I would have started doing it more seriously. I would have waited until after phase two match. Except I emailed the USA job. And then that process got rolling. I wasn't going to be like, oh, let's wait until after phase two. Like, yeah. don't do that. But if you're contacting preceptors or something for jobs, I mean, I actually wasn't going to do residency. I decided to do residency. Well, and I didn't obviously, but I wasn't going to do one until August. I was very back and forth during pharmacy school. And I had a long conversations with the preceptor that I had that month. And I decided to do one. But prior to that, I was going to like talk to people that knew a lot of the leaders in FQHCs in Connecticut and just different clinics and underserved communities and see if I could get my foot in the door that way. So that ended up becoming kind of a backup plan and something I didn't end up pursuing because I'm here, but that's kind of where I would have gone next. Yeah. And I wouldn't say though that you were too late on like waiting till August. Some students wait until the last minute and then it's clear that they're unprepared, but I don't think you're, I don't think I was too late. Yeah. 
I was just illustrating the You're fact that yeah. I hadn't known from day one that I wanted to do a residency. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. A lot of students will change, change last minute. All right. Well, Taylor, did you have anything else? No, I think, I think just my last kind of sentiments or pieces of advice is just try to keep a positive attitude. I know it can be really overwhelming and stressful if you go unmatched, but if you keep that positive outlook, I think that'll really help you get through the process and increase your chances of being successful. Yeah, I would add to that. Go into the match with the expectation that you're not going to match and then just so like prepare yourself for that. I was more prepared because I only had one interview. So I was like the physical chances of me matching are slim. So probably not going to match. It wasn't a surprise. I had some classmates though that were devastated and it affected their ability to get a a residency in the scramble. Uh, So go into it with the expectation that you probably or may not match and then start reworking on your materials. It's a good way to keep your brain busy. You know, start rewriting your, look at your letter of intent, rework it look at your CV, see if you need to add anything, start preparing some of that stuff. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us one last time. Uh, And thank you for tuning into this episode of the PGT Podcast.